It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, go to ellerslie.com. Eric, in the last life lesson that we were walking through, we were talking about this idea of the principle of no. And I think it'd be fun to even build off of that on this idea of what we could call the Mary and Martha concept, but this idea of recalibration. Do you want to even just kind of set the tone or lay a foundation for where we can Yeah, well, you said something uh, last week in that uh, previous message that was, it's hard to say no because it feels unspiritual. Like, if you're having ministry opportunities... I mean, you have opportunities to share Jesus and you say no to it. I mean, how could you do that? And so when you first launch into ministry, the, one of the greatest vulnerabilities is yeses and nos. Because if you splurge all your yeses on every situation, you will not have your yeses for the priority points in your life, your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids. And usually they will suffer because of it. And so that was last week. But what's interesting is the dovetail in this life lesson is that there's another parallel point, and that is the concern about being rude in ministry. Oh, I don't want to be, I need to be loving, I want to be kind, I want to portray Jesus, and so that means saying yes, but that's that's an error. That that isn't actually true. You, You show Jesus by showing the priority of Jesus in your life, and that might mean going off to the wilderness alone. Everyone's looking for you. Where, where do you go? He's off by himself. He could be healing people right now. But he was doing first the work of the Father. Then, as an outflow of that, he was blessing people and healing people. So this, this one, this principle of recalibration, sort of piggybacks on that because it's based on the issue of getting things done. Okay, now I'm, people would call me a type A personality, which I don't know that that's a compliment. I, I don't know. We, we The jury's out on that one. But I love, I love to get things done. And I'm an extremely productive person, right? And that's just part of, I don't want to say my identity, but it's part of what I do. And I enjoy it. And yet it's also my great weakness. And I know that. And so you'll, you'll hear in staff meetings a lot. It's like, guys, <laughs> I'm starting to behave like Martha. And I just want to make that right. Okay, this isn't the way I want to go. I'm getting a lot done and I'm not tending to certain things that are actually of a higher importance. And so the reason this goes with the yes and no is because it's it's a parallel, but it's a it's it's distinct also. And that is what Martha is doing, if we were to examine the story, and I don't know if you maybe you once you share the story and give us some background on it, and we'll sort of take it apart from there. Okay, so there's this incredible scene where Jesus and his disciples have come to Bethany, which is the backside of the Mount of Olives. So it's right across from Jerusalem. And uh, it seems like biblically that's one of his favorite places to be. And there's it's it, it's always welcomed it. Some of his best friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And so here's Jesus and the disciples and Martha doing what is right and proper in that culture. She is making a meal for them. You know, she's being very hospitable. And she turns and recognizes that Mary is in the wrong place doing the very wrong thing. So culturally, uh, there would have been the, like the, the court or the, the uh, area for the men. And Mary, in one sense, doesn't care. She busts in and she sits in the place where she shouldn't be sitting, which is the feet of a rabbi. So as a woman in that culture, she should not have been there. And so there's, there's, I feel like there's probably multiple things going on, but Martha, who's doing all the labor and all the work, 
uh, trying to get all this stuff for disciples. And we know how disciples eat because we've seen our students and they just, you know, it's a, it'd be a lot of food, you know, for these 12 disciples and Jesus. <clears throat> and so here's Martha doing all the kitchen stuff, which is, which is good. It's fine. It's right. But she recognizes that Mary's just sitting, listening to Jesus. So there, there's a level there. And there's also something interesting that seems like that Martha's concerned for her reputation, that she's concerned about the just the appearance of what does it mean for her sister to be in the place where she shouldn't be, sitting at the place where she shouldn't be. And so she makes the appeal to Jesus. Uh, Jesus, could you tell my sister to come help me with the meal? I've got all this stuff to do with your, you know, for your disciples. And it's amazing. Mary doesn't say a word, which I actually think is very... Uh, I think a, a beautiful layer in this whole thing mm-hmm. that she just rests at the feet of Jesus and lets Jesus defend her. And Jesus speaks up and says, Martha, Martha, you know, <laughs> so I love the double uh, emphasis, but Jesus says, Martha, it's not that what she was doing was bad, but Mary has chosen the better part. And, and, uh, and Mary is esteemed. I say, Martha, Ma- Mary is esteemed uh, and defended by Jesus. And she really is in the position where she's, where Martha is actually invited to, where Martha actually should be at. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's kind of the that's the scene. And so I really, unfortunately, identify with Martha. Yeah, me too. <laughs> more, more quickly than I do with Mary, and I can understand sort of why Martha is a little peeved and you know upset with Mary's behavior, and that disturbs me, and it should. And that's what I think the scriptures do overall. That's what Jesus comes to do, is he says, Martha you're not incorrect. You're just not as correct as you should be. And that's what we're calling recalibration. Recalibration is a fine tuning of an instrument. And the Holy Spirit does a fine tuning of us where we mean well. What is she wanting to do? She's wanting to serve Jesus. She wants to make a meal for Jesus and his disciples. As far as I'm concerned on paper, she's doing the right thing, right? And so she's bustling around. I always picture bustling around the kitchen, you know, this is my kitchen. I mean, she's doing it well. She wants to set the table right. She wants the fork on the right side. Well, I I might've said that wrong. On the correct side of the plan. I don't know, actually. I can't remember which side a fork goes on. There's a whole bunch of people out there. It's on the left. On the left. So forks on the left side. And she wants the table set correctly. Meanwhile, there's Mary. What in the world is she doing? And it looks incorrect to her in multiple dimensions as you're bringing up. And I would say there are certain things in my life that I would say, but God, that doesn't seem right for me to not be doing this work right now and for me to be at your feet. I know it sounds very you know, very spiritual, but it doesn't feel spiritual. This hospitality feels like the superior virtue in this situation. And so here's how I would say it. Martha is right, but Mary is more right. And what we want in our life, when God is working in us, he's going to always show us, not that we're wrong, but that we're not more right. And he wants to fine tune us, to lift us, to elevate our game to the level of Mary. Mary seems to be this symbol of the elevated game. Wouldn't you like to be in scripture as a symbol of the elevated game? But everything she's doing offends people. You know, in this situation, it's offensive. It's not culturally correct. And then when she's pouring out spikenard, she's offending Judas. Judas is going to go off and betray Jesus after that event. I mean, these are huge events. She's not doing what she's supposed to, or is she? You see, she seems to have a sense that men's dictates, men's cultural expectations are actually not what rule her, but God's. So it's like Peter and John when they're asked not to preach Jesus. It's like, well, 
you determine, is it better for us to obey you or God? And I would say the same is true. That's what Mary is demonstrating. Martha, is it better that I do what is culturally correct in this situation or that I do what I know I'm supposed to do, which is to sit at the feet of the Messiah? I think it's so beautiful. Uh, And we were mentioning this before, but Mary, every time she shows up in scripture, she's always at the feet of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And there's something beautiful about that, that you just start getting this pattern of, okay, when Mary shows up, she knows that there's this posture of surrender, this posture of dependence, this posture of just listening and, and, and longing for the relationship, that there's something about that that I think is so, it's so counter to our culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was in her day too, but we're so wrapped up in busyness and accomplishment and success and productivity. Uh, I, one of the things I've had to fight for probably more than anything else in my spiritual life the last 20 years that I've been doing ministry stuff is reminding myself that just because I'm doing things for God does not mean I'm spending time with God. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've recognized that ministry especially, but just the Christian life, no one will guard and protect the more right things in your yeah. life. No one's going to guard your spiritual life. Mm-hmm. No one's going to guard typically your marriage, your family, the, the time with them. And there's the things are actually the most important. Mm-hmm. Uh, people just presume, yeah, you're going to do those things. Mm-hmm. And so unless you actually guard and protect those arenas, no one will ever fight for you on that behalf. And so you have to guard and protect and you have to choose the more right. And you have to recognize that if I really want to grow spiritually, I just can't presume that I'm going to slide into spirituality. In fact, you don't slide into spirituality. You have to be intentional about growing. And so I have to remind myself all the time, especially, I mean, even here, mm-hmm. because we're busy. Yeah. Uh, we, we have a lot going on and there's, there's, there's always a lot happening. And I have to remind myself on a consistent basis of, okay, Nathan, <laughs> just because you're, you're doing a lot of good things and just because there's a lot of ministry, just mm-hmm. because you're pouring your life out and, but, but am I actually doing the more right thing and, and spending time with Jesus and allowing the ministry to actually come from the overflow of my time. In other words, again, Martha's not doing a bad thing, but really that should have come out of the intimacy and the relationship yeah. that Mary had sitting at the feet. And so ministry becomes a, an, an overflow, if you will, uh, of, of all of that. I remember when Leslie and I first started speaking, we had this great love story. I mean, just a world-class love story. You know, we, it's in a book now, and people want us to speak all over the world on this topic. And so we are almost every day, on a radio interview or on stage in front of people talking about how much we love each other. And, and it was interesting because I could easily, and I, saw, I found myself doing this at that time in the first juncture of this, recognizing that it's like, hey, we're, I'm spending a lot of time. I'm even saying a lot of good things about you, saying how much I love you. And it's like, to Leslie, it didn't even count. It's like, no, 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 it's what's done off the stage that counts. Like, well, I just spent a whole, I was sitting next to you for two hours tonight, spending all sorts of time with you. Didn't even count, right? And that's, there's something true about our relationship with God the same way. We could be teaching about him. We could be doing all these things, but sitting next to him, but not really focused on him. I was focused on the audience, how we were communicating. You know, my brain is like in this stream of thought of how we can articulate this idea, this, this truth. I'm not thinking about my wife and how I can cultivate a love relationship with her, how I can get to know her at a deeper level. And so we can easily swap those out. And I know that that is my propensity, which is why this is a life lesson. 
I mean, and for you too, we, we both are sort of, uh, that's why we work so well together. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Martha, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, a, it has the potential to be a very good quality. The way Martha is built is not wrong. It just needs to be made more right. And I think if Martha's, what's it like being called, you know, Martha? But like the church in Ephesus, they're supposed to see from where they have fallen. And then they're supposed to remember that and repent and return to the first works. And I would say what Mary is doing is a first work in our spiritual life. And many of us catch it. We're like, okay, this is what I need to do. And then we gravitate back to more of a human propensity, which is to accomplish things for Jesus. And, you know, I look at people that try and work righteousness for Jesus, you know, so that they can, you know, be saved. And I'm like, that is so ridiculous, so counter to the way the gospel works. He is your righteousness. But in this area, I have a tendency to say, God, if I'm going to serve you well, I need to get these things done. I mean, we have a lot of daily thunder we have to get done, and God's going to be pleased, right? It's, it's work. There is real work in the kingdom, but if you allow that to supplant the first works, you erode in your soul. It's not healthy. That's true. One of the things I've been just pondering the last couple of months and really wrestling through is that I, I think the world or business mentality has, has seeped into the church and spiritual life where we are all about productivity. I, I, I legitimately, I cannot tell you how many thousands of dollars and how many, I, I'll bet you it's over a hundred books I've read on this topic of how do I be more productive <laughs> and how do I get things done? And, and there's a benefit of that. However, I've been really convicted the last couple of months that biblically, the calling of a Christian is not to productivity, it's to fruitfulness. Mm-hmm. That it's fruitfulness and faithfulness. And that productivity is all based on, uh, it, it, the term actually came out of the uh, business manufacturing. The, it's the widgets, it's the, yeah. the things. Yeah. And yet God doesn't measure how many things we do. It's all about the fruit that is being produced. And it's all about the faithfulness. Um, so you could be a pastor of a church of 20 people, but if you would be faithful in that and in the fruitfulness, even if, even if it doesn't look like a mega church pastor, yeah. God actually esteems that potentially more than this person yeah. over here that actually looks like they're super productive. And I've been, I've been, I've been so convicted because I'm recognizing, all right, I have literally bent my life for years on that Martha productivity. Let's get things done. But Lord, could it be it's a, it's a merry language, but Lord, I, I actually don't care if I, if I'm productive, mm-hmm. I, Lord, I want to be fruitful. I want to be faithful, mm-hmm. even if it's in small things. And, and I'm trusting that wherever God has me, that if I would be fruitful and faithful, which is, which is, it's, it's, it's a fruit language, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's life language that if he's producing that in me, I can actually rest. Mm-hmm. And there's something beautiful about allowing the things that come out of my life to be born out of a life with Christ, mm-hmm. which is what Mary is going after. Yeah. I wonder if it'd be good, just as a way to close, You know, we're heading into a new year, just in a couple of weeks. Would you just pray uh, for everyone who's listening that as we walk into this new year, that we wouldn't just get lost in the busyness, uh, we wouldn't get lost in the distractions, we wouldn't get lost in just trying to get one more thing done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the number right now is if you ask 10 people how they're doing, uh, 90% of the answers, so nine out of 10, mm-hmm. will be I'm busy. Wow. And that's, a, that's actually a sad, yeah. <laughs> that's a sad thought to me that culturally <clears throat> we, we, we so esteem doing things that we're actually mm-hmm. filling up our life and we're filling up our schedule just so we have some semblance mm-hmm. of importance mm-hmm. that we actually want the culture to esteem mm-hmm. us so we're, we always say we're busy. Yeah. When 
what if we just said, I'm, I'm being fruitful. I'm being faithful. I'm, I'm resting in Jesus. <laughs> Sounds like you're wasting your life. And yet that actually what is what God esteems. Yeah, and I, I just would love for you, maybe just yeah. to pray for all of us that this next season would be a great season of uh, yeah. being Mary's, of yeah. going after Jesus, of being fruitful, being faithful, and just resting in his work, not just trying to get things accomplished. That's good. Father, we need that. Uh, we want to bear fruit, but we want to do it the way you have defined it. And we want to learn how to sit at your feet, to listen, to just admire your ability and not just try and prove ours. Lord, we want to rest in you, not just as individuals, but as a body. Lord, we are needful of these truths as the church of Jesus Christ today. And I pray that you would instruct us, that your Holy Spirit would work this and revive us, that we would repent from where we have fallen and we would remember, repent and do the first works. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would cultivate this truth in each of us. We ask this in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. If you'd like to learn more about Ellerslie, our discipleship programs, or support the ministry financially, please go to ellerslie.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.